it, it will come as no surprise to you when I mention it that the number one tourist destination in the entire world is in Central Florida, in Orlando, it's Walt Disney World Resort. They average there just at the Magic Kingdom. Now, if you're familiar with the parks, then you know they have four different parks. They have the Magic Kingdom, they have Epcot, they have the Animal Kingdom, they have Hollywood Studios, and then they have two water parks as well. Just at the Magic Kingdom, the one that opened in 1971, the one that I've heard so many of you say, I remember back when we went, that one averages 49,000 visitors every single day. And that, that's just the average. You can imagine during peak seasons, they top out somewhere around 100,000 people at that park alone. And that's not including the other three parks and the water parks. And if you had reached that pinnacle, if you were the, the chairman, the chairwoman of, of Disney Resort, how would you handle that? How, how, would, how would your mindset change? Many of us here today would say, you know, if, if we're the number one tourist destination in the world and really it's not close, then let's just be sure not to mess that up. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why would we continue to do anything new? Because it might mess things up. You know, what got us here, let's just go with that. Let's just maintain. But I'm going to tell you that based upon the countless hours of Disney World shows that I've watched with my children, I know that that mindset of just maintain, just stay where we are, is blasphemy to them, if you will. It really is not on their radar. In fact, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Meet the Robinsons. And I don't know if you saw it or not. It was sort of a, a, a secondary type of Disney movie. Not one of the most popular ones, but it really spoke to Walt Disney's ideas. And, it, and the whole theme of the movie, and you see throughout, it's spoken and then put up as a quote from Walt Disney at the very end, is keep moving forward. And that's, that was their idea, always to keep moving forward. You realize that Walt Disney himself died five years before the Magic Kingdom and Disney World opened. And so what were they to do? Well, he had taught them, just keep moving forward. And so even though they are the number one tourist destination in the entire world, their motto, their mindset, all they want to do is keep moving forward. So you know what they do? They have what are called Imagineers. Those are their folks who design everything. And they keep what they call reimagining over and over. They keep coming up with new ideas to keep themselves moving forward. It's that idea that is originally found in Scripture, the idea to keep moving forward. And this morning, we're going to capture that in what Paul told us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got some way to get to the Scripture, get there, Philippians chapter 3. The idea to keep moving forward. It's not original with Walt Disney. It's original with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at where this originality comes from and how it applies to us today. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Now, catching up real quick, last week we, we looked in our continuing series called A Letter from Your Pastor. Paul, the guy who wrote this letter to the Philippians, their church there, had planted and founded their church about 10 years before he wrote the letter. He'd gone through some very difficult times immediately after planting the church. He was thrown in jail and developed a very close relationship with these people in the city of Philippi, this, this church there. And they, 10 years later, had written to him to, to see how he's doing. Uh, along with their letter, they sent some money to find out, uh, can we help meet your needs and so on. And he wrote in response to say, thank you for that. I'm doing okay. Uh, here, here are some lessons along the way, like any good pastor would teach. And, and so last week, what he started talking about, really, here's some of the stuff that, that I've learned. 
And he really kind of gave his, his life story in a nutshell. In verses 1 through 11, he told them that, uh, you know, once upon a time, I was really a big deal. And then I met Jesus. And I realized, he's the big deal. I just need to follow him. And, and that's what we looked at last week. He said his one goal was simply to know Jesus more. And when you boil that down, that's a pretty challenging kind of example. The one goal that a guy has is simply to know Jesus more. Now, what he wants them to know, though, is what we get to this week, is that I, I haven't arrived there yet. That's my goal, and I think I'm on the journey. I, I'm, I'm on the right track, but I've not arrived. And so let's, let's look at what he says in chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already reached the goal, the goal being knowing Jesus completely, or am fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. You know, what we might assume about Paul, I don't know if you know much about this guy or not. Some of you that maybe you grew up in church and you've heard a lot of stories or you've read the scripture a little bit, you probably know a lot about Paul. But if that's not you, Paul was really an incredible guy. He, he once was a, a strong Jewish religious leader. And then he met Jesus in Acts chapter 9, the story is recorded for us, on his way to Damascus, Syria. Paul was interrupted there on that road, and his life was changed forever. And Paul once was a really big deal in Jewish life, and now he was a huge deal in Christian life. He was the first Christian missionary. In fact, he took the gospel, the message of Jesus, to places that it had never even thought about going before, and he was the first to do that. He wrote half of the New Testament. And so Paul really is an incredible guy. We might assume that a guy like that had all that he needed spiritually. I mean, think about it. You look at that guy. If Paul attended our church, we would be intimidated by him. We really would. We would be intimidated by his spiritual maturity and by his knowledge and, and, and how, how good he was as a teacher and as a mentor and counselor, all those things. We would be intimidated by the fact that Paul was constantly trying to get us to go somewhere with him. <laughs> Let's go. We're going over here to Asia. We're going to Africa. We, 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 he would freak us out. I'm just going to tell you. We would look at him as somebody who's super spiritual. He's not quite Jesus because we know he's, he's God, but he's something more than human. He's not quite like us either. Somewhere in between. That's kind of how we would view Paul. And we might assume that somebody like that, you know what, You're, you got all that you need. I'm, uh, what more could you learn? But what Paul teaches instead is that he's constantly pursuing the same goal. The goal that he mentioned over in verses 8 through 11, which was simply to know Jesus more. Isn't it amazing that a guy who seemingly had accomplished so much spiritually still says, I'm not there yet. I've not arrived. In fact, I'm just continuing to pursue the goal with everything that I have. And so what he lays out in these verses really is a description of his, his own plan for spiritual growth which is a very simple one and one that I hope that we can understand today. And for some, it will just be a reminder. For others, I, I want you to know this is a sermon for everybody because no matter where you are spiritually, you may be just getting started. You may say, I don't really know much about the Scripture. I don't know much about Jesus. I don't, I, I'm not even sure if I believe any of this stuff. 
Regardless of where you are, I think this will speak to you. You may have been a Christian forever. You may, have, you may be going on somewhere around 70 years as a believer in Jesus Christ, and yet today I want you to know that based upon the example of Paul and his description of his own spiritual growth plan, none of us are done. Not a single one of us. And so we'll look here as Paul describes his own plan for spiritual growth at some ways that we can apply this in our lives. So Paul's plan for spiritual growth. You can see, you can follow along there in the bulletin. There's a little handout. Uh, the words will be on the screen. You can scan the code and so on and get there uh, some way to be able to make some notes. And I will encourage you this morning, uh, make sure if, if God puts something on your heart, jot yourself a note. Make sure to write something down between the fill-in-the-blank stuff. Don't just wait for the next one. I don't say that because of all the incredible things I have to say, but, but what Paul describes here is worth taking some notes on. So here we go. Paul's plan for spiritual growth. First, don't settle. First of all, in your spiritual growth, don't settle. Look at verse 12 again. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature. He says, I've not reached the goal yet of knowing Christ fully. I don't know Jesus as well as I could. He knows Jesus pretty well, but he says, I'm not totally there yet. I, I, my, that's my goal. That's all I want. But I, I just want you to know, church, that I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, what a powerful example this would have been to those folks. And think about it. Here's this guy that if he, again, if he joined our church, he would intimidate us. And he just says, look, I, I'm just a guy. I'm not there yet. I've not already reached the goal. I'm not already fully mature. I haven't grown up completely in Jesus yet. It's not that I don't lack anything or that I, I don't need any more growth or that I'm perfect. Paul just lays that out at the very beginning. I'm glad that we see a guy like this who is so incredible in his following of Jesus, and he just says, look, I'm not there yet either. And regardless of, of who you are, and you look around this morning and you say, well, you know, that person, man, I, they're, they're, they're something. We just go back to this and we say, I've not already reached the goal. I'm not already fully mature. And then he says in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. It's not in my hands. I don't hold spiritual maturity yet. I'm not fully who God wants me to be. I don't have full knowledge of, of Christ and complete spiritual growth. They're not yet in my possession. Now, if anybody had a reason to sort of take a spiritual vacation, it was Paul. If you read the New Testament, you understand what he went through, and even his time just with the Philippians. I mean, here's a guy who went to this place in East, uh, in East Europe, sort of Southwest Asia, this city of Philippi, and he's digging around, really, for some Jewish folks that he can talk to about Jesus. He finds a handful of people, mostly folks that other people would simply ignore, on the outskirts of the city, he starts this church. He's thrown into jail for it. God shows up in the middle of the night as they're singing praises, has an earthquake. The doors bust open. Paul then leads the jailer and his entire family to Jesus Christ. Ten years later, he's, in, he's on house arrest, and, and all of this stuff is going on. And you say, you know, if, Paul, if anybody deserves a break from pursuing Jesus for a while, it's Paul. I mean, look what that's kind of gotten him. I mean, you know, he might know Jesus a little more, but the guy's been thrown in jail, he's been beaten, and he's on house arrest when he's writing a letter. And Paul simply says, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to take a spiritual vacation. He just wanted the church to know that he'd not yet arrived, and he wasn't about to settle for where he was. I, I think it's incredible, the words that we get from Paul. There was more to knowing Jesus, and he's going to go after it. He's sort of like any good coach would know in any sport that you're playing that once you settle and you get content and satisfied with where you are, and you start going backward. You're done. There's no question. 
How do you know, this is the question for me, how do you know when you're settling spiritually? For me, I, I was thinking about this this week and praying through, what does that really look like? And for me, I think you can know when you're settling is, is when you begin to compare yourself to everybody else spiritually. You begin to look around and say, well, you know, I, I think I know Jesus and love Jesus more than, than he does. I know more than she does. But I mean, I'm not quite to the level of this person over here. I'm sort of somewhere in between, but honestly, I'll never get to that level anyway. So I'm okay so long as I'm better than these folks over here. When you begin to compare yourself to other people spiritually, that's when you begin to settle. And many of us have fallen into that trap, haven't we? It's an easy trap. That's a trap that Satan wants us to fall into so that we no longer put our eyes on Jesus and compare ourselves to Him. Now you want a, a comparison that will sober you up just a little bit. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ, not to the people down the road, not to the, the people that you work with. Compare yourself only to Him. And when you do, you'll recognize the fact that we fall so far short and have so much more that we can learn from Him. You begin settling when you compare yourself to others. Paul says, I'm not going to settle. The first thing, if you want to grow spiritually, don't settle for where you are. Don't settle. Secondly, don't look back. This is a tough one. Don't look back. Paul says, I do not consider, verse 13, myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. And he gives two parts to this one thing that he does. Forgetting what is behind. This is part of that one thing Paul's laser focus on knowing Jesus more includes forgetting what's behind. What's behind him? We have both good and bad. I just chronicled for you a lot of the good stuff. In the ten years since he founded the Philippian church, Paul had done a lot of amazing things. In fact, even before then, Paul had already taken a journey. He founded the Philippian church on his second long missionary journey. He'd done some incredible things. But Paul could also look back and say, you know, before I knew Jesus, I was rotten. I was awful. I was full of hatred. I, I didn't care anything about those people that were following the Lord. My life was just full of sin. Part of his spiritual growth was to leave all of that stuff, the good and the bad, in the past. The truth is, too many of us this morning are crippled by our past. And it's not just the bad past. It's sometimes the good past. Some of us have done some great things spiritually. Some of us have covered some ground and we've grown a lot. And we say, well, I, I'm good. And we retire spiritually. I call it quits. I, I, that's enough for me. I've put in my time. I'm good to go. i got all the Lord I want and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just going to relax for a while. I, I don't want God to really speak anything into my life anymore because if he did, there might be something I'd have to do about it. You've been there? Some of us are crippled by those good things, and we, we no longer grow. We're looking back and saying, well, look at all that's happened. Look at all I've done. I know the Lord well enough. I, you know, I, was, I was this when I was a kid. I memorized these verses, and I've been in church my whole life. And Some of us, on the other hand, of course, are crippled by the past that we don't want to talk about. We've gotten to the point where we believe God is done with us. If God knew, which of course he does, what I've done, he wouldn't love me. He wouldn't want anything to do with me. He'd discard me. Some of us are crippled by that and our spiritual growth is at a standstill because we are saying things to ourselves that God never did. 
We're speaking things into our life that God has spoken against, which is to say that our past cannot hold us back and cannot separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. And so I wonder this morning, who is it that needs to stop looking back? Both on the good or on the bad. How do you keep from doing that? I think when you look back and you see success in your life, how do you keep that from crippling you in the future spiritually? Simply chalk that up to the goodness of Jesus in your life and say thank you and praise God and move forward. And look for more of those incredible experiences with the Lord. That's how you get past the good stuff. But it's the bad stuff. It's the hard stuff that's more difficult, isn't it? The truth is, for some this morning, to keep from looking back, you have to come to a point of forgiveness. I told you this was a hard one. I don't know your story and all the people that have done things to you and what I, I don't in every case. But I know that for so many of us, we look back and we say, well, this person and that person, and they hurt me and they did things to me. And, I, 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 and you don't know what to do. And you're crippled. You don't want to move forward because that stuff has not been reconciled. They haven't paid you back. Do you realize that forgiveness is not saying, well, it's okay what they did. Forgiveness is saying, there's no way you can pay me back anyway. I'm going to cancel the debt and I'm moving forward because the one who is crippled by that isn't them. It's you. That's hard. Because some of the stuff that's happened has been really traumatic and devastating and awful and should have never happened. And yet you're crippled by it. The only answer to that is forgiveness. The only way to move past it is forgiveness. There are others who say it's not what somebody else has done, it's what I've done. And for you, you need to confess, to repent. You say, what do you mean? Do I need to come forward and tell you all the things I've done? I'm not your priest. Your priest is Jesus Christ. He alone can forgive your sins. Go to Him. Confess your sin to Him. You may need also, in order to make a relationship right that's keeping you from moving forward, need to confess to somebody else. They may be in this room. They may have not spoken to you in 20 years. I don't know. But maybe today it's a time of confession before the Lord Jesus and before somebody else. Now, I will say that not looking back doesn't mean that you're able to or somehow miraculously will forget everything that's happened in your life. You know the old adage, forgive and forget? You realize that's impossible, don't you? I mean, you can try all you want. I'm just going to forgive and forget and move on. And then you see that person again. I mean, you just, I mean all of, you're just reminded of it. This isn't about forgetting what's happened. This is simply about saying, you know what? I'm moving past that because that's not long, no longer going to cripple me. That's covered by the blood of Jesus, the sin of others, my sin. And I'm moving forward by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, only, that's the only way you can do it. I will say, though, that maybe it's worthwhile as you look back just a little bit to write down a few of the lessons that you've learned so that you don't forget at least the lessons, and then move forward. Take all of those thoughts and all of those effects of your past and lay them before the cross of Jesus Christ where they've all been crucified, can all be covered and can all be forgiven. Paul says don't settle and also don't look back. He says I'm forgetting what's behind. And thirdly, he says don't be denied. Don't be denied. Forgetting what is behind, verse 13, and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal 
the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 12, I've not already reached it, I don't already have it, but I make every effort to take hold of it. What's he talking about? He's talking about the knowledge of Jesus as we grow spiritually. What he's not talking about is conversion and salvation. We don't work for that. We don't try to make extra efforts so that God will be pleased with us and that we can earn salvation, we can earn our forgiveness. There's none of us who can do anything good to make up for anything bad that we've done. And we're all born bad. Understand that. We're all born sinful. And we need Jesus to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, which is to make us pleasing to God. And that's what He did through His perfect life. His death as a sacrifice and His resurrection. He made us pleasing to God. Because in and of ourselves, we are not pleasing to God. In fact, the Bible says we're on the other side. We're enemies of God. Jesus is the one who makes peace with God for us. And so this isn't about salvation. This isn't about, uh, Lord, I'm going to get to you. This is after conversion, Paul says. After salvation, I recognize that spiritual growth, if I want to know more about Jesus, I can't just sit here and sit on my hands. I can't just expect that if I go up on some mountain somewhere and sit in a meditation pose and hum for a while, that I will gain more knowledge of Christ. He says, I've got to do some things in order to, to see that happen. Spiritual growth and maturity do require some effort. Not salvation, but spiritual growth afterward does. I was not long ago reading a book, and the guy talked about how to adjust things to to make yourself uh, take advantage, if you will, of of your own creativity. And as I reflected on his principles, I thought, you know what? If we're going to grow spiritually, what he talks about, the adjustments that need to be made are pretty good. Uh, I always try to give you something that, okay, I can take that and I can go put that into practice. What do I do with what you're saying? So I I thought about what adjustments might need to be made if you're not going to be denied in your effort for spiritual growth. If you want to know Jesus more, what should you adjust? Well, this guy in his book, he mentioned four things that have nothing to do with spiritual growth, but I'm going to tell you they have a lot to do with spiritual growth, and I think they're really, really good. Simple things, practical things you can do. One is to adjust your time. Isn't it true that sometimes we say, well, I I just don't have the time. I'm I'm too busy. I sort of know a little bit about that. I understand where you're coming from if you say those things. You're speaking to somebody who, all right, I get that. What if this week you simply adjusted your time to say, I'm going to spend before everything happens or after everything happens, whichever, or somewhere in the middle, I'm going to spend some time with, with intentional spiritual growth in mind. Whatever that may mean. Maybe it's reading the Scripture, which I would highly encourage. Obviously, you ought to pick your Bible up and read it. Maybe it's time in prayer to say, Lord, you know what I'm going to face this day. Or God, this day's over and whew. How could you adjust your time? Even incrementally, how can you adjust your time? Because I'll tell you this, if you want to grow spiritually, it's going to take time. If you're unwilling to adjust your time and you want more of Jesus, guess what? Sunday morning isn't going to cut it. It's not. Listening to me talk for a little while or going to Sunday school, those things may be fine and good, but it's not going to grow you spiritually. It's not going to help you understand Jesus as much as daily time with Him will. Adjusting your time. Another thing is to adjust your energy. I'm just too tired. And I, whew, I'm trying to read the Bible at night, and I just, you know, there I go. I get up in the morning, I can't even think straight. You know, I'm, I'm a, don't talk to me until I've had at least three cups of coffee. You know, at least. And some days it's four. 
Wednesdays, it's you know, it's more than that. Monday, I don't even worry about Mondays. You know, what what if you tailored your energy just this week, your your sleep patterns, how late you stayed up, all of that, to have your best energy be focused on spiritual growth? Now you say, well, that doesn't help me in work. That doesn't help me in life. Paul said, there's nothing that I value more than knowing Christ Jesus. And I guarantee you, he gave his best energy to that. What what if also, you've got time, you've got energy, what if focus, what if you say, you know what, this week, I will not be denied. I'm going to focus on spiritual growth just for seven days. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to focus on growing with the Lord. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to look around for what he's doing. I'm going, to, I'm going to pay attention to what God is doing in my life. I'm going to listen for that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. What if focus this week was not on your job? Yes, you do what you got to do, and yes, you do it with excellence. It was, was not on your routine and your obligations, but was simply on, I'm going to know Jesus more at the end of this week than I did at the beginning. And then the final thing here that that comes into play is what you might call stimulus. You know, we have so many different things coming at us. Isn't that true? If you've got younger children or teenagers in your home, it's never-ending, isn't it? The stimulus that comes toward them. And doesn't it frustrate you to no end? To say, look, just put that down for a minute. What possibly do you have to say to somebody in this moment when we're eating dinner and you're trying to text somebody? What, what possibly, how much more do you need to come at you? Let's get up and let's go do something that's productive. I don't know if you're a parent, you've ever said those things. You've ever fought those battles? Isn't it interesting, though, that if we consider ourselves as well as the adults, how much stimulus comes our way that does not help us, yet we receive, it doesn't help us grow spiritually. What if this week you put stuff in front of you that was geared toward helping you grow spiritually? Now, I'm not telling you, go tell your kids this. I'm saying this is for us. What if we put things in front of us that this week is simply geared? Our music, what we might watch, the things we look at, whatever it may be. If we just sit for seven days, the stimulus I take in is going to be geared toward helping me grow spiritually. You may say, man, all that stuff sounds crazy. I mean, that's a lot of work. Paul says, I make every effort. Every effort. He says, there's nothing that compares to knowing Christ Jesus. And I'm going to make every effort to ensure that that's the track I'm on. He says, don't be denied. Paul says, though, it's interesting. Look at verse 15. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. You realize this isn't just for Paul? This isn't just for the super spiritual missionary. This isn't just for the guy who saw a blinding light and heard the voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He says, everybody who's on the track of spiritual growth should think this way. No one should be denied. You realize that that's the norm for Christians, not the exception? You realize that the exception in the New Testament was a Christian who didn't take Jesus seriously? A Christian who was unwilling to live out his or her faith? A Christian who, who claimed faith in Jesus but didn't truly trust him? The, the exception was a person who was a Christian who didn't pursue Jesus daily, who didn't reach forward to what is ahead? You realize we've made that the norm in our society? And the exception to the rule now, sadly, is somebody who truly does worship the Lord and take Him seriously and want to grow with Jesus. We look at that person as kind of crazy. You talked about Jesus outside of church. Is that, are you, you okay? You having a rough day? What's going on? 
We treat as the exception what Paul just simply expected Christians would do. And that is to pursue Jesus and not be denied in any way. Don't be denied. Fourth, don't give an inch. I like how Paul sort of wraps up his little thought here. Verse 16, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Don't give an inch. Live up to whatever you've gotten so far. Whatever you know, live it out right now. And let me encourage you with this. This kind of sermon can be intimidating. Because you say, man, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm looking at when I read the Bible. I don't even know what to say in prayer. I have no idea. I mean, you, you, you know, here you go. You preach a sermon on this stuff. And I, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, what? Start where you are. Paul says, no matter what, just start where you are. Doesn't, wherever you may be with the Lord right now, start there and don't give an inch. Don't go backward at all. Don't give up ground that God has already covered in your life, wherever that may be. I, you realize for me that as your pastor, I don't expect, as I don't expect for myself, everybody to be on the same level spiritually, if you understand. Some folks are further along in the journey than others. But all of us, Paul says, in any case, live up to whatever truth you've already attained. Whatever you already know, live that out. Let me encourage you, refuse to wait for complete knowledge of all that God is doing in your life to start following Him. To, 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 to wait in, until you have all the knowledge and all the answers to give yourself over to spiritual growth. It's like waiting until you've got enough money to get married or have kids. It ain't going to happen. I still don't have enough money to be married and have kids. But I'm married, now, you know, 15 years this year, and I've got four children. I mean, none of us do, isn't that right? Then your kids grow up, and they have children of their own, and they just come back and take your money all over again. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So we're waiting for us to have all the answers and all the stuff, all the knowledge before, okay, now I'll get started with the Lord. Now I've got it all together. Paul just says, wherever you are, get going. Start where you are. This ought to be encouraging for you. You ought to say, you know, I, I, I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I'm going to compare myself to Jesus. I realize I don't know him as well as I could. I don't know everything there is to know, but I'm going to start now. I'm not giving an inch. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stay where I am. I think this is an important challenge for a lot of us on a couple of levels. One is to go ahead and get started. The other is, are we living out what we already say we believe? Are we living that out? Or is it just something we talk about at Sunday school or in church? I really mean that for myself as well. Are we truly living out? Well, I already know that. Okay? Live up to whatever truth we have attained. Are we living a life, as Paul said earlier in Philippians, worthy of the gospel to live out the truth that we already know? You know, to me, that's kind of a swift kick in the pants. I'm going to be honest with you. We've already covered that ground, God says, so live it out. Let's go. Don't give an inch. Don't go backward. Let's move forward, he says. Most of all, and I opened with this, and this is how I'll close, and some of you have already written this down because you're so smart. Most of all, keep moving forward. This isn't an idea that Walt Disney originated. As I said, this is an idea that God himself originated. And we see this captured in what Paul says. Let me read verses 12 through 14 to us again with the idea that our focus is to keep moving forward. Listen to this. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature. 
Now that can sound depressing, can't it? I'm not where I need to be. I guess I'll just quit. I'm just Eeyore. Things are bad. He says, not that I've already reached the goal, I'm already fully mature, but what? But I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Because what he has done for me, I'm going after him. Brothers, he says, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize. That's knowing Jesus, promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul says, look, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I want to be. But I'm going to keep moving forward. It's really a simple concept, and it can sound very cliche for us this morning. But no matter where you are with Jesus, keep moving forward. No matter what has happened to you in your past, no matter what you've done in your past, good or bad, keep moving forward. No matter what you're facing right now, keep moving forward. No matter what you fear in the future, keep moving forward. The prize that we gain by knowing Jesus makes everything else seem worthless, and it makes the journey worth it. Keep moving forward. If you want to know Jesus, don't settle. Don't look back. Don't be denied. Don't give an inch, and keep moving forward. I wonder if, as I mentioned, if just for the next week, if I could challenge you and you would agree that for seven days between now and next Sunday that you'll look at that bulletin outline and you'll say, you know what, I'm no longer going to settle. I, I, I don't know Jesus as well as I can. So I'm not going to settle for where I am. And I'm not going to look back. And in so doing, I'll forgive, I'll confess, I'll do whatever I have to take to move forward past that. I'm not going to be denied. This week, I will structure my time, my energy, my focus, my stimulus toward growing with God. And I'm not going to give an inch. I'm going to really try this week just to see what it looks like in my life. If I live out what I already know. And above all, I'm just going to keep moving forward, Jesus. I want you to know that God is not done with you. I had a conversation before the service this morning. And it reminded me as I was getting ready to preach this. God's not done with you. Keep moving forward. This morning, that may need to be your commitment. That, Lord, I... I'm going to follow this plan of spiritual growth. But let me tell you this, as I mentioned earlier, this isn't a plan for getting salvation from God. God came up with that plan. It's already done. Jesus is the only one who can make you pleasing to God. And the only way that you can become part of who He is, have His life be wrapped around yours, and have your life be wrapped up in His, is by faith in Him. Confessing that, yes, I'm a sinner, and yes, I need Jesus and Lord, I need your forgiveness and salvation. That's where you start. If you've not started there, then you're believing something that the Bible doesn't tell us, and that is by doing all the right things, God will be fine with me. This stuff is after that initial commitment. But it's huge and it's important. Keep moving forward. Let's pray together. morning I do want to encourage you to make that seven day commitment you say Lord this week this is what I'm going to be about is knowing you more I'd be happy to pray for you if you say it's going to be tough
happy to shake your hand, give you a hug, and say, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Minute together with you. Most of all, let's simply put our eyes on Jesus. There's a song we'll sing in a, morning, in a minute. It says, wherever He leads, I'll go. Let's start moving forward from this point. Lord Jesus, lead us, we pray. We thank You for Your salvation that we can't earn. We thank You for the knowledge that comes after that salvation, that we can get to know You more and that that surpasses anything in our lives. Help this not to be cliche today. But Lord, may we move forward from where we are. Thank you for the power and the grace to do that through your Holy Spirit. Make it true in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.